catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <clears throat> Even though it wasn't a full inning, nice to see Boxberger have a good outing today. Yeah, just a clear outing. <clears throat> All right. Well, we are back on another Wednesday. Um, we have more than just Brewers to talk about today. Not that I'm bummed to be talking about the Brewers because we're getting right. down the stretch run. But right. um, in addition to Brewers today, uh, Jake's got his red shirt on, so I see he's prepared yes, for... Sir. We have our Wisconsin Badgers football primer today because they start on Saturday. So definitely looking forward to that. So I want to welcome in everybody that's going to watch. Um, do, do you know why I've, how I found this shirt? How did you find that shirt? Looking for a burgundy jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you. you dude, you got two weeks to find one. I know. Not even. Not and even. You got like 10 days. I still have to convince my girlfriend to let me go just mustache. <laughs> yeah, you let me know how that goes for you. It's not going um, well, but I'm doing it. It's my face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got the Brewers to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Badgers. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to bring Mike back for talking about the Badgers. We like having him on uh, for you. another perspective when it comes to Badgers football and basketball. He's very, very tuned into that. So we like having him on. Now, I want to, before we jump in, I want to bring up how critical thinking can help us. So we like to incorporate more points of view when we're talking about our favorite teams. We don't want to only give you two voices. You hear the same two voices every single week, which is part of the reason we brought in Simon and Bryant. They give us Mm -hmm. two more perspectives on the Packers. Um, They bring different things to the table. Mike's going to bring different things to the table. when We talk about Badger football today. Yes. So if, if I make a point, it doesn't automatically mean that whatever point somebody else is going to make is inherently stupid. So we need to get that down, not only as, as our own perspective as Wisconsin sports fans, but just as sports fans in general. That's really something people have to kind of take their emotions out of, is that if somebody disagrees with you, it doesn't automatically mean that they think that your point is just completely radically stupid. It happens mm-hmm. sometimes, don't get me wrong, but when you're arguing things like like sports where so many things, there's not a perfect 100% correct answer, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of nuance to the discussions, and there's a lot of, you know, this can be this, this can be that, but we just got to do better when it comes to critical thinking and perspective, because everybody's going to have a different perspective. Vikings fans are going to have different perspectives than we are as Packers fans. Pirates fans are going to have different perspectives than we have as Brewers fans. Mm-hmm. Ohio State fans are going to have different perspectives than we are as Wisconsin fans. So I just want to uh, throw that out them. there. And, screw them. Yeah. <laughs> screw them. <laughs> and, and bring that up as a point for, for having different perspectives. But 
We're going to yep. start with last Wednesday's uh, Brewers-Dodgers finale. So let's <sighs> let's start with that one. Uh, well, <clears throat> it was the second of back-to-back games that the Brewers didn't look very good. Uh, give up double-digit runs. Um, Hauser went two and a third uh, his first game back. Uh, he gave up five hits, five earned runs, at the four walks. So not a clean outing for him, but just nice to see him back in the mound and getting back work, you know. Um, Milner also got beat up in this game. Two thirds of an inning, five hits, four hits for him. It was so annoying runs. too because it was there was so much soft yeah, contact is. and then sacrifice flies like that sucked. Yeah, uh, he did put himself in that position though. I guess um, Alexander um, he gave up three hundred runs. I mean, there's a lot of guys here giving up runs. It is what it is. It's just one of those games. Yep. We've talked about this before. You just take those games, you throw them out the door because it's one of 162. Um, yep. It was nice to see Renfro and Adamas each get three RBIs each. Um, yep. Adamas is up to 73 RBIs after this game, and that's pretty damn good for a shortstop. Especially um, for a dude who missed a month. Yeah, true. Um, they had all the RBIs. They both hit home runs, and they both had doubles in this game. So Renfro nice. and Adamas, they definitely earned their paychecks this game. Yeah, so I want to address first just putting Adrian Hauser in here. Um, I saw some people on Twitter complaining, you know, oh, put Adrian Hauser his first start back in against the Dodgers, and it's like somebody had to take Aaron Ashby's spot in the rotation with him going to the injured list. So right. somebody had to pitch this game. It's you know, it's a bummer that Hauser didn't get a cupcake game to start his his return to He's a Major League Baseball. Exactly. Um, so. He got off to kind of a rough start. He gave up two walks to start the game. Both of them scored three walks total in the first inning. Um, and then another walk and another earned run um, in the second and third innings. So I will say Strzelecki did a good job of finishing the third inning. Um, he's looked much better than he did when he first came up. And then you you brought up um, Hunter Renfro, who, had, who did have three hits, three RBI. I want to bring up Willie Adamas as, again, because I know you brought him up, but Willie Adamas had his hands all over this game. Yeah. So he was three for four. He had the three RBI. He scored two runs, drew a walk. He was a triple short of the cycle as well because he had a home run to start this game. So, yeah, um, yeah. After that, the Brewers travel back home and I'm bringing this up for a reason, deliberately. The Brewers fly from L.A. back to Milwaukee. Why am I bringing this up so deliberately? Because it's a factor in Freddie Peralta being taken out while he's pitching a no-hitter. So I saw a lot, a lot, a lot of questioning on that, and a lot of blaming Council right away because, you know, that's what you do. Um, Freddie yeah. Peralta told Craig Council that after his Sometimes six innings pitched and their their flight back from L.A., that he was tired. Mm-hmm. He had also gone through the lineup exactly twice. And I'm going to bring that up again for a reason. But um, I hope I hope Ian Happ signs in the AL next year. Yeah, me too. <laughs> He's, he, he doesn't deserve to be on the shitty Cubs. I mean, he does, but not if he's going to keep playing well against the Brewers. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Willie Adamas played good defense in the first inning, got another double. Caratini threw out Horner to end the second inning. Um, they won the challenge on that one. Um, I said it last week. Every start, Freddie feels more like Freddie <laughs> is, is how I'm feeling about Freddie Peralta. Um, yeah. He pitched the six innings. He did walk one. Um, he had five strikeouts and no runs. Um, why didn't they fly Freddie back early? 
I mean, he's got to stick around with the team. You never know when you're going to have a 38-inning game, even with the extra runner on second, and you might need to put somebody <laughs> in instead of position players. Which, speaking of position players, Isaac brought up Josh Hader. Hader got taken out after giving like six runs. I think that was last Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Pulled after giving up like six runs in a third of an inning, and he had a position player finish that game for him. Will Myers ended up finishing pitching that game. I already um, lost the closer job now. They they're gonna go by closer by committees. Um, That's crazy, man. But they just they they fly together. They they do everything as a team. So, um, I'm not actually suggesting that there would be a 38 inning game and you would need Freddie Peralta to pitch. Um, He's pretty much being sarcastic. Yes. Yeah. Um. So they travel as a team. It's not like they're gonna fly a guy back early just to prepare for his start. Damn. Jeez. This cat's mean, bro. I can hear that. <laughs> Jeez. It's all good. <laughs> Is it? It doesn't sound all good. It's okay. It's just chilling. Relax, relax, relax. Oh, my God. What is happening? Life. <laughs> that is not a happy cat, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, I'm in her space. I'm trying to talk baseball right now. And this cat apparently does not like baseball. Um, so, yeah. in addition to the long flight and the six innings pitched, um, Freddie's health, as far as the rest of the season goes, is more important than him trying to finish a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's cool when it happens, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, <clears throat> so, the leadoff error, and then Ian Happ again makes a two-run home run instead of a solo shot. Um, Rowdy did tie it in the bottom of the ninth inning. And then Devin Williams, a very rare hung changeup um, to Hap again. So, um, And then Cubs, they perfectly placed their defense on the bottom of the 10th inning um, to get the double play. Um, kind of a theme ended up being for this series that the Cubs actually played very good defense. They were very well positioned on defense. Um, so... Ten men left on base, seven of them yeah. in scoring position is uh, is the rough thing there. Um, Taylor Rogers and Brad Boxberger did each pitch a scoreless inning in this one. Um, so what did you see from that first Cubs game? Um, like you said about Peralta, man, I mean, he looked amazing, obviously giving up no hits. Um, Bush gave up the first hit, so 181 hit for him. Um, Taylor with a home run, so that was nice to see. I won't lie, he hasn't mm-hmm. he hasn't given us a ton with his with his bat, but uh, Renfro with another RBI. That guy just hits <laughs> straight up. That guy rakes, um, and then Telez with another home run and an RBI. Um, yeah, Telez, he's great. And like Glad you said, okay. about, uh, yeah, me too, honestly. Um, and then like you said about Williams, it happens. It is what it is. He um, is that before that hit. He had thrown with something like twelve or thirteen hundred changeups, and only given up three barrels. Wow! Total, so wow. it's up to four now. But I mean, that's that's crazy, crazy pitching um, to throw that many pitches that many times, or that one pitch that many times, and to barely ever have anybody put the barrel on it. Yeah. All right, hey, let's go to that cat. Cat is being a hater. Hater. <laughs> nice. 
Well played, Isaac. Well played. Cats being a can hater. Can you settle I down? Do. I've been sitting here for like 20 minutes now. You can relax. Lock the cat in the bathroom or something. Sheesh. I wish. It's not my care. <laughs> All right. Let's go to game two of that Cubs series. Well, game two ended up a lot better than game one. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Woody was almost as good as Peralta, I would argue. I guess this cat wants to talk about the Brewers, just too. Put it up. Just put the cat on your lap. Put the cat. No, no, it was not happy when I tried to touch it. So, that's <laughs> what's um, up, James? Woody, six innings pitch, four hits. He had the one walk, but 10 Ks. He's back to yeah. being the Woody that came back. Dude, from. he's been so good since he came back from the injured yeah. list. Yeah. He looks like a Cy Young candidate, in my opinion. Um, Rogers, good, clean inning besides the one walk. Uh, but he did, he had one inning, three Ks. Uh, Bush, he had two walks, but no earned runs, two yep. Ks in his inning. And this guy, for this guy, you know this guy? Yes. <laughs> the cat freaked out. Well, oh, the cat doesn't like Tesla doors, apparently. That doesn't, doesn't like that one, no. Um, <laughs> So awesome. Yelich with three RBIs and a home run. What a beautiful thing to see, uh, yes. especially against the Cubs. Uh, Colton Wong on fire. He also had a very good week. He's been really, really good the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And Willie Adamas again, another home run. That guy's just pure power. I uh, wanted to point out Urias had a double in this game. So everybody was getting their rounds, getting their hits, getting on base. Won this one seven to zero. So great game to watch. Felt mm-hmm. it, this one felt like a game that kind of got us back on track, and you know, since you know hindsight is twenty twenty, it kind of did. Yeah, it always, always. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna. Ignore so... it. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> so Renfro probably should have had a put out at second base. Ended up not mattering. Um, Brandon Woodruff, his first time through the order, so through the first nine batters, seven strikeouts man that's that's big seven strikeouts first time through the batting order um his fastball was doing the heavy lifting really he was throwing really good fastballs that were moving around um he retired five straight um struck out five straight from the second to the third inning actually at one point um Mm -hmm. quiet first six innings the brewers broke it open in the seventh and the eighth inning uh you mentioned rogers three strikeouts in the seventh that's six consecutive outings getting to this game um, six consecutive outings without giving up a run. Uh, bottom of the seventh, Jace Peterson had a bunt, forced an error, <clears throat> and then Yelich hit the three-run home run. Um, you mentioned Matt Bush pitching a scoreless eighth. And in the bottom of the eighth, Colton Wong hit his solo home run. Willie Adamas hit a two-run home run. And then Brent Suter pitched a scoreless ninth inning. Um, in the end, Brandon, Brandon Woodruff, six innings pitched, four hits, one walk, ten strikeouts, no earned runs. Christian Yelich was four for five. Andrew McCutcheon. And Colton Wong had two hits each. You can talk and then um, Luis we're, getting, we're getting the cat removed, everybody. All right. All no, right. More, no more hater cat. <laughs> um, and then you mentioned Luis Urias with his double. Um, he actually drew two walks as well. Actually, back-to-back days that he drew two walks in a game. So I want to give Luis Urias a little bit of credit for his plate discipline. Um, so let's go to game three of the Cubs series because that's going to be a fun one to talk about. So let's talk about game three. This one, I'm just going to say, this one felt felt good to watch because of the feel-good moments that happened in this game. Yes. You know, you know if, if you didn't watch and you don't know, you haven't been keeping up Garrett Mitchell. Uh, Brewers just brought him up. Um, had some crazy, amazing moments over the next couple of days, I'll say. Uh, but it started in this game. Uh, Eric Lauer started this one. 
five innings pitch, six hits, uh, four earned runs, and four walks. If he could just, he's been so good this year. I'm not going to get on him. So if he can just keep that walk number down, he'll be just fine. The four Ks is usually what I expect out of Lauer. There's no more cats. No more hater cats. They had to <laughs> double check. Uh, Strzelecki, uh, he was also pretty good in this game. Gave up one earned run, but that's kind of what I expect from him. But like you said, he's been very good lately. His, his fastball-slider combo is working really well for him. He's been better. Uh, Milner was good in this game. Boxberger, this is really, you know, like I started the show and I started talking about it. It was nice to see him have a nice clean outing. This is where the troubles really started for him. I mean, zero. he got zero outs, three hits, two earned runs, and it was like, Really, Boxberger? Like, you're so reliable for the last couple of years. You've come up in some big moments. Yeah. And against the Cubs, he's come up in big moments. I mean, just this year, 4th of July. He had, and I said he had big balls, you know, for throwing those back-to-back-to-back yeah. back sliders where he got yeah. the strikeout. It happens, people. It's okay. Yep. Um, Devin Williams was – Devin Williams in this game. RBIs in this game was everywhere, and this is always one thing that I always love to see. Yelich two, Wong two, Renfro two, two out RBI, by the way. Haria had one. And Garrett Mitchell got his first two RBIs. And let me tell you, man, what a freaking moment. When you see, like, that's what, when you watch sports and you see their family celebrating that, Mm -hmm. you know that their family had to sacrifice almost as much as them, you know, for them to get to that moment. So it it really is special. Uh, Yelly and Wong had home runs again, so... Yelly back-to-back home runs against the Cubs. Honestly, <laughs> me and Tyler know a guy. We're not going to name drop. But he always he's a Cubs fan. He always talks shit about Yelly. So for him to hit home runs back-to-back days and the Brewers won both those games is absolutely amazing. So I, I got to bring it up. Isaac <laughs> So Yelich had one hit in the first game, four hits in the second game. <clears throat> and then I think it was three, was it three or four hits in the third game. Mm-hmm. Christian Yelich, <laughs> his batting average during this series went from 254 to 264. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. Christian Yelich in late August rose his <laughs> batting average 10 points in one series. Against the Cubs. It couldn't happen against anybody any better. It had to happen against the Cubs. Uh, so... Two walks and a single gave the Cubs a run, an early lead, um, and then a broken bat, single, a walk, and a single in the second gave them a 2 nothing lead. Um, Garrett Mitchell, his first at-bat, hit a deep fly out to left, bottom of the third. Um, Hunter Renfro missed a home run by less than a foot, hit it off the top of the wall. Um, so this game, this, this has just got to be some salt in the wound for Cubs fans, but the bottom of the fourth inning, so they bring in Newcomb, right? He's a mm-hmm. left-handed pitcher because oh, the Brewers yeah. have four straight left-handed batters coming up. Yeah, this is bad. <laughs> Jace Peterson, singles. Omar Narvaez, singles. Garrett Mitchell gets his first career hit, a single. Christian Yelich hits a two-home run or two-run Home run. Which did you see Brent Suter in the in the bullpen yeah. when he hit it? He was oh my god, Suter was jacked. He was so oh he was so excited. Um, so they bring in this pitcher specifically to face left-handed pitching, mm-hmm. and the dude gives up like six runs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I 
I remember watching that. I was like, wow. They brought in a lefty, and our lefty just yeah, started raking. Was six earned runs he gave up because he gave up two more in the sixth inning without um, without hitting up without hitting home runs. Um, and it's really annoying. I feel bad for Boxberger, too. The home run that Hap hit should have been a solo shot, like just an infield single before that. Like, it's a bummer. It is what it is. But um, so after that, Devin Williams came in, got a strikeout. And a uh, ground into double play to end the game, mm-hmm. um, but those two runs in the sixth inning did end up proving to be the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good to see Hobie Milner bounce back. Good to see Devin Williams bounce back. Um, and Christian Yelich did have three hits on this game. He could have had four, but like I said, the Cubs actually positioned their defense really well. And Nico Horner took away a single from Christian Yelich. Um, Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal are actually pretty pretty good players for the Cubs. Like I'm not gonna lie, like they're they're good players. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, some solid potential players in the future. Um, Isaac is just letting the Cub fans have it in the comments. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, the, the big thing for me from this series was that Christian Yelich raised his batting average 10 points in three games. Yeah, that's that's wild. That's Honestly. yeah, I, that's crazy. 10 points in three games in late August. It's not like it's the middle of June. Mm hmm. Okay. All right. Let's go to Monday. Yeah, we got to deal with, with more idiot fans from this game. So well, you let's, know. let's do that. Yeah. All right. So Corbin Burns. Uh, Brewers ended up winning this game, by the way. Before Which is we good because, up... you know, I, I couldn't deal with the trade Corbin Burns if the Brewers had lost that game. Oh, my God. So. Corbin Burns started this game six six innings pitch, hit eight hits, five earned runs, uh, one walk, and five Ks. So when you look at that stat line, you're like, that is not a prototypical Corbin Burns, you know, you know, outing. Um, Suter was fantastic in this game again. Suter was fantastic all week long. I'm just gonna say mm-hmm. that. Uh, Williams was also fantastic. Uh, zero earned runs for both those guys. Two hits for Suter, zero for Williams. Both had a walk. Both had two strikeouts. So. They were shutting shit down. Um, Renfro, again, the guy was just raking. <laughs> Two RBIs again, up to 58 for him. Adamas gets his 76th RBI of the year. Kira gets two more RBIs, his 28th RBI of the year. Kira also hit a home run in this game. And Garrett Mitchell hit his first home run. Um, the thing about Kira's home run is it was a walk-off, if you didn't know. Yep. Um, it barely scraped the top of the wall, but it got out. Um if you have never, I don't know how you would live in Wisconsin, this never happened, but just for the fat chance that it did happen, if you've never heard Euchre call a baseball game, I'm telling you right now, put that on your bucket list. It is magical. It is seriously something that everybody needs to experience as a kid in Wisconsin. I mean, we're so blessed to have a guy that like that who's been around so long. I just mm-hmm. love listening to him, and then he just starts telling a story from like 1955, and I'm like, what is <laughs> happening right now? <laughs> what's the score but he always lets you know he's a great storyteller um but the reason i bring him up is him calling a walk-off homer to me yes i'm biased i don't think there's anything better that's like one of my favorite sounds in the entire world um but here i got it i'm actually really happy for keston here that he is up and hitting and getting playing time again it's such a beautiful thing his his august has been better than anybody the brewers were interested in trading for Yep. I brought this up last week, and he's continuing mm-hmm. to do it. He's he's still 
in a, a strikeout or home run situation. Like that's still where he's kind of at. Mm-hmm. But that being said, his batting average, his on base percentage, his on base percentage is lower than Joey Gallo's, but um, his slugging percentage, his OPS, obviously, and his, his home run totals are all better than Andrew Benintendi, Josh Bell, uh, Brendan Drury, um, and there's one other one. Joey Gallo is, I think, is the other one. Um, mm-hmm. Everything Keston here has done outside of his his on base percentage to Joey Gallo, and I think. I think Ben Attendee's batting average or on base percentage might have been higher than Heroes, but essentially he's doing more for the Brewers than any of the the trade deadline guys that were rumored the Brewers were interested in at the trade deadline. So, mm-hmm. and now we're getting Gary Mitchell on top of it. So, yeah. Burns oh. was a little shaky. Mm-hmm. He did get his first career pickoff in the second inning. That was interesting. That that was the first career pickoff that Corbin Burns yeah, has ever that's, had. That's crazy. But if you think about it, he just strikes everybody out. So well, he's got a slow delivery too. Like he's got a yeah. kind of a slow delivery. That's just how his mechanics go. Um, it works. Brewery's got a three-run third inning, all on small ball. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Pirates run, or the first run the Pirates scored, um, reached on like a check swing bunt single. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's baseball. It sucks, but it's baseball. Um, and then. And then you got O'Neill Cruz. Like his name is not going away anytime no. soon. He Even hits though, the baseball hard, dude. He hits the baseball literally harder than anybody else. Yep, that he is literally it. has the hardest hit ball in like the Statcast era. That he is hit a ball fact. off the bat last week that was 122 miles an hour off the bat. Who do you, was it? That I don't is think it was insane. I don't think it was in this series, but. It was the series before whoever the Pirates were playing, and he hit one like 117 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. It was like a single. Dude, well, he hit a home run too, and I, yeah. I shit you not, that thing went like this. And it looked yeah, like it just was going to keep climbing. The home run that he hit, I think it was the one that he hit off of Corbin Burns, was the hardest hit home run since 2015 for the Pirates. 119 yesterday. Yeah, that guy, he's, he's going to be good. He's already good. He's got to work on his defense a little bit because he does have two errors today that have led to Brewers runs. But I mean, O'Neill Cruz is going to be a star. He's going to be a star. Yeah. He's already like young phenom type player. So mm-hmm. he's, like I said, he's going to be a star. Um, so Garrett Mitchell, two RBI again, two days in a row with two RBI, uh, hit mm-hmm. his first career home run and his second career start. Keston Hira. So Keston Hira was 0 for 4 versus Crow, the Pirates pitcher. It was 0 for 4 in his career before he hit the walk-off home run. And the really interesting thing about that is when he came up to bat, the first pitch that he saw, he bunted it. Thankfully, he bunted it foul because then obviously we yep. know that he hit the walk-off home run. Um, he was just trying to bunt the runner over to put somebody in scoring position for Hunter Renfro behind him. Mm-hmm. Um Devin Williams worked around a, a walk and a hit batter for a scoreless ninth inning. Brent Suter, two innings pitched, two hits, one walk, two strikeouts, no runs, and all of the energy. All of it. Dude, after Keston Hira hit his home run, do you know who Brent Suter was hyping up? Yeah. Who was it? Garrett Mitchell, right? It was Garrett Mitchell. Yeah. Everybody's given Keston Hira love, and Brent Suter was, was giving love to Garrett Mitchell. And so, and that's who Hero was giving love to too during his mm-hmm. uh, his post game interview. Yep. So that's that's a culture thing, and that's yeah. a big deal. If you can make new guys feel welcome right away and hype them up, all that mm-hmm. does is give them confidence. 
and Garrett Mitchell came into today's game and he drew a walk with the bases loaded. He pinched hit, pinch walked for Tyrone Taylor and he drew a bases loaded walk. <clears throat> so with first game of the series, Willie Thomas had three hits. Hunter Renfro had three hits. Colton Wong had a hit and a walk. Omar Narvaez had two walks uh-huh. and Garrett Mitchell had a hit and a walk. And this game was also two. He's on first base. Pitcher turns and throws to first. Garrett Mitchell just takes off straight to second base and steals the base. So even if you have Garrett Mitchell picked off, he's still going to steal the base on you. So might as well just accept that. He's kind of fast. I mean, he's actually really freaking fast. But I don't – I want to see now because now – like I've hyped up Asteri Ruiz's speed. Like Mm -hmm. I need to see Garrett Mitchell in Asteri Ruiz race. It'll be close. I, I need to I need to talk to somebody at the Brewers and, and talk to Craig Council. I need to see those two race. Um, but that game, it was good to see the Brewers win. Obviously, to see the Brewers win, but um, to, to pick up Burns in a game where he didn't pitch well. We've talked about that with Aaron Rodgers a whole bunch of times that, you know, the defense kind of picked him up after, um, you know, tons and tons of games where Rodgers has needed to score 35, 37, 40 points just to have a chance to win and still yeah. lose a bunch of those games. And then this past year, we get it to a point where Rodgers has an okay start to the game, finishes hyper-targeting and Devontae Adams. The defense plays really well, and then the special teams lets the game get away. Yeah. So it's good to see a different Wisconsin team have their guy struggle and everybody else pick him up. Yeah, it is, it is nice. That's a good way to spin it. What I do. That's what that's what multiple perspectives can do. All right. So let's go. Let's go to game two of this series. Uh, let's talk about game two. Uh fan favorite Jason Alexander's back in the starting role for this He's one. Back. <laughs> five innings. He actually had a really good outing. Um, five Very innings. Good. Uh three hits, one only one earned run, one walk, six K's. I mean, you take that from any starter, really, if mm-hmm. they can give you that on a consistent basis. Uh, Milner, fantastic, one inning, uh, no hits, no earned runs, but he had one walk, two Ks. Uh, Bush uh, gave up one earned run. Boxberger gave up one earned run, had three walks. So this is what I was talking about, those back-to-back outings that he had where it was kind of like, mm. Boxberger might be running out of gas, but then he comes back today and he had a really, really good outing today. So I was wrong about that. Uh, Strzelecki. Uh, inning pitch, two hits, one earned run, one walk, two Ks. And Colton Wong, another another home run. I don't know what's going on with this guy, but another home run for this guy this week. Uh, a two-run shot, our only two runs of the game, sadly. But Brewers dropped this one. And my theory is they lost yesterday so that they could win today and we could talk about their 69th victory live on the show. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yes. That is stat of the week material right there. Right there, baby. 69th Wednesday, picture. 69th win of the season. Nice. <laughs> All right. So, Alexander in the rotation for Adrian Hauser. Um, I don't know if it was just like a setback in his rehab or if they were just going to kind of look at maybe staggering some starters a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. If they're just trying to protect guys from getting hurt now that Aaron Ashby is on the injured list. If they're just trying to kind of work guys back. Um he actually tied his career high for strikeouts in the first three innings. Yeah, that's crazy. So he did a really good job of limiting damage in the third inning. He got a double play to end the third with the bases loaded. Um, and then he actually got a double play to end the fourth inning as well. Um, the fifth inning, Andrew McCutcheon was flashing the leather, so that was good to see. Um, 
him helping out the the pitching there. Um, and then Jason Alexander in the um, sixth inning reached his career high in strikeouts with six um, or the fifth inning. Sorry. Um, so he finished five innings pitched three hits, one walk, one earned run, six strikeouts. I mean, I, you can't ask for anything more out of Jason Alexander than that. No, you can't. I would say probably his second best outing as a brewer, honestly. Um, he had that, I think it was a, I think it was against the Rockies. He had a, a seven inning outing yeah. and he gave up a run or two. So I would put this up against that. Um, Matt Bush, I want to talk about Matt Bush. Um, he faced three lefties in this inning. Those are the three outs that he got. He gave up a home run to Chavis. His curveball was just eating the left-handed batters alive. They couldn't touch his curveball. But the righty got him on the curveball that he threw to the right-handed pitting, the right-handed hitting Chavis. Um He's so maybe good that's too, that's something that he could potentially learn from is you know the right-handed batters are a little better at hitting the curveball. They pick up um, the curveball a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. So the lefties, they couldn't touch it. Could not touch it. He was rolling through the first two batters of that inning. Um, and then I want to bring up uh, Brad Boxberger getting behind in the count. The home run that he gave up was on a 3-1 count. I want to bring that up because it's a good way to transition into today's game. The home run that Freddie Peralta gave up to Matt Gamble or to Ben Gamble. Sorry, thinking of his brother. He used to play for the Brewers. Uh, yeah, I always do that. I always do that. <laughs> to Ben Gamble. Uh, he was behind 3-0 in that count as well. So when I'm looking at things that the Brewers can improve this week is Brewers pitchers getting behind in counts. That mm-hmm. is something that the Brewers can do to improve, to help them going forward, to not um, not maybe have shorter starts, to, to draw fewer walks on them, is to just get ahead in counts. I'm mm-hmm. not saying throw meatballs on the first pitch because then obviously it's not going to take long for an opposing team to pick that up. Yeah. But just, just throwing strikes just executing better, just getting ahead in counts and not getting to to 3-0, 3-1 counts where then guys can pretty much sit on a meatball and if a team gives them a green light, he's going to hit O'Neal Cruz home runs to the third deck. Exactly. So I wanted to bring that up to start with talking about today. This is the second straight outing for Freddie Peralta where he was pulled exactly after two times through the batting order. Okay. So I wanted to bring that up. Um, the Brewers did cash in on O'Neill Cruz's errors. He had two of them. Um, I'm looking at uh, looking at today's game because um, it just ended. So the Brewers did win. Um, like Jake said, the 69th win of the season, which is extra nice. Let's go. Um, extra nice. <laughs> yeah, Matt. It's it's just one of those things where like the second half of the season, the Brewers have struggled. Like it's, we're not we're not sugarcoating anything by saying that they've struggled because we know they have. Um, I've seen I've seen enough complaining for a century on the subject of struggling. So I think we did a good job explaining that the Pirates actually have some young talent. I mean, we've talked about this before on the show, but the the Pirates are coming. Uh, The Cubs have a few players here and there that are just straight up brewer killers. Like that's just a fact. Ian Happ. Yeah. O'Neill Cruz is already a brewer killer. Yeah, seriously. I saw. I don't remember. I follow a bunch of different people, but one guy on Twitter was like. uh, when we wanted a new owner for the Brewers, we didn't mean O'Neill Cruz. And I was like, yeah, yeah. it's kind of true. <laughs> like, I want to like him because he's really I good. I know. But, like, just suck against the Brewers and be good against everybody else, not the other way around. Yeah, that would that would be that would be better. <laughs> yes, I would I would much prefer that. Um, so, 
I don't know. Is there anything you have off the top of your head? I'm, I'm pulling up today's game just so I can kind of look at some more of the stuff that happened while we were talking uh, about the other games. I have today's game up right now. Um, I can give a little gist real quick. Um, so by the time I got home from work, uh, the, Bre- the Brewers had a couple of runs start getting walked in. Um, talking about Garrett Mitchell pinching today. He got a he walked in a run. Um, RBIs today is Yelich, his 45th. So he's starting to produce RBIs so people can start chilling the hell out. Um, Adamas got his 77th. Narvaez, Urias, Curia, and Mitchell all had RBIs. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six different people with RBIs today, and the Brewers scored six runs. So that's a good sign. Hmm. Um, Adamas with a double. And Hero with a double. Here his third. Adamas is 21st double. Um, pitching today was Peralta. He gave you five innings, like yep. Tyler said. Pulled through uh, his second time through the order. Two hits, one earned run, three Ks. Uh, Trevor Rogers was credited with the win today after one That's and a third. Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers, sorry. Yep. Jesus Christ. Me. I got you. You know what? There's so many damn sports and so many goddamn names that I just know so many damn people. It's just like, you know what? I'm gonna blend somebody's name together. That's just how this is gonna work. You're gonna have you're gonna have Tyler O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, seriously. I, I, at some point. When you just watch enough sports and you hear all these names and you're watching the Little League World Series and you remember these kids' names ten years later, you're like, Oh, I remember that kid. I'm my name's Alfred Delia. They call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. Bro, did you see Nobody that will ever forget that kid. Bro, there was one kid who said his favorite actress. Yeah, was I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. I already knew that's where you were going with Whose that. parents? Who, who's, who's kid? I saw one. Okay, so I saw one today. <laughs> the kid had his dream job was retirement. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> If you think about it, that's freaking brilliant, dude. That is freaking brilliant. Oh, Who God. the hell wouldn't want to be retired right away? <laughs> wow. <laughs> These kids. Um, nowadays, yes, man. Matt. O'Neill Cruz did actually help the Brewers today um, offensively and defensively by not doing anything on offense and doing the wrong True. things on defense. True. So <clears throat> today was only the third time in Tyrone Taylor's career that he drew two walks in the same game. Third time? In his career. Wow. Not third time this year, not third time this month, third time in his career that he's drawn two walks in the same game. He needs to settle down then. He needs to work on his plate discipline. Um, <clears throat> I will say, speaking of plate discipline, Christian Yelich drew three walks in his five at-bats. Um, he's the master One of them was intentional. But he's, that's on base percentage. That's what you want out of your leadoff hitter is getting on base. He's he's the master at walks. Um, Luis Urias had two hits. Um, Kesson Hira had two hits. Hunter Renfro had two hits today. Um, Taylor Rogers. So he had a scoreless inning in the third. He got the win. Um, Foxberger, like you said, was good to see him bounce back today. Um, I, it's not even close, Matt. I'm willing to bet that he has twice as many strikeouts as he does walks. Um, that's why the Brewers, all the guys they drafted this year, all had more walks than strikeouts. Uh, they drafted a bunch of guys who hit for contact and have good plate discipline. Um, Garrett Mitchell is starting to show that as well, that he's got good plate discipline and he likes to make contact, which is good. You know, that, yeah. The Brewers need to mix that in. If you can mix that in and still have your home run hitters, your Rowdy Telez, Willie Adamas, Keston Heroes, and you can mix in some guys like Garrett Mitchell who can just 
put the ball in play and get on base and Christian Yelich who can draw walks and, and get on base. Mm-hmm. And then you mix in those home run hitters. That's where the Brewers are going to have the opportunity to start, start scoring five, six, seven, eight runs a game instead of two, three or four. Yeah. Um, so that's good. That's good to see from Taylor Rogers. His last seven appearances, seven and two thirds innings, a 120 batting average against 10 strikeouts and zero earned runs. That, a baby. that is very good to see. And the people Brewers were complaining. People were, dude, what if the Brewers pitching coach is just that damn good that they dude, made they're Hader. pitching their whole lab. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they like made Hater, not like the way that Aaron Rodgers made Greg Jennings, like the fact that he dropped <laughs> so hard when that he left. Nice. That was nice. Um, subtle shade, not so subtle, but <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> Hater's release point has been off. I'm not sure what it is that's causing it, but that's what's been his problem. Hmm. But so far, the Brewers have Taylor Rogers, who, like I just said, is his seven scoreless appearances. Uh, Asteri Ruiz, who is going to be on the cusp of coming up to the Major League roster. The Brewers get two more guys to add to the roster tomorrow. We'll see who they are. And then mm-hmm. Robert Gosser, Gasser, Gosser. I'm used to saying Gosser because of Padre basketball when they had Josh Gosser. I'll, do, I'll just say Gosser too until I hear it differently. Yeah, I, I've heard it on some of the minor league broadcasts that they call him Gasser, but they might mm-hmm. be pronouncing it wrong, and it is Gosser just because we've had a Gosser here in Wisconsin. True. So he just got promoted to AAA. Mm. Yeah. So mm. Brewers have two guys in AAA, one guy on the major league roster. They did. DFA, Denilson, Lamette, which still kind of looks bad, um, as does the Trevor Rosenthal trade he's done for the season. So that, you know, David Stearns has to mix in a bad trade once in a while or people are going to be asking questions. Yeah, they're going to um, think that he's paying everybody off. <laughs> right, or or has a freaking time machine. Um, yes, I love Garrett Mitchell's plate discipline as well, and he's he is fun to watch with everything he does. And I, I love that everybody else in the dugout and in the clubhouse is feeding him energy. And giving him confidence. I love seeing that from guys. That's such a culture thing that's going to make the, you know, as we get into the regime change, especially in the outfield in the next two, three years with, with Sal Frelick and Garrett Mitchell and Asteri Ruiz and Joey Weimer coming up, that those guys can feel comfortable and that can allow them to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying that, that Greg Jennings was a practice squad receiver. Like he was still a good wide receiver, but. He was not the same when he left Green Bay. Um, he was practice squad his last year in the league. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see guys getting more contributions. Um, so the Brewers drew three walks out of the nine spot today. Two by yeah. Tyrone Taylor um, and one by Garrett Mitchell. And, yeah, Jackson Churio is a, another name to bring up. He's probably going to be in double-A real quick because he came back from being sick, and mm-hmm. he's had like two home runs in the last four days. Yeah, he just uh, he just uh, checked out American Family Field the other day. I mm-hmm. think it was was it Saturday or Sunday? I don't remember. But yeah, it was yeah, one of those days. He he came back. Uh, it was after his first game back where he hit a home run in his first game back. This guy, he's yeah. gonna he, <laughs> now. That's gonna that's the guy that like O'Neill Cruz, where you look at Jackson Cheerio, you're just like, yeah, that guy's a star. Yeah. He's like he's almost guaranteed to be a star unless something crazy happens the the numbers that he's putting up in in single a and like his rookie ball mm-hmm. like all the names that you look at with him and it's like ozzy albies and bryce harper and mm-hmm. uh, and like um 
I'm trying to think of some of the other names. Oh, like John Carlos Stanton. And you see him like among all those names where they were at that age. And it's like, sheesh. Yeah. And this dude is behind five other outfield prospects. So yeah. It's um, really Brewers cool. Brewers will have some wheeling and dealing to do. That's for sure. Yeah. And they just drafted a bunch of middle infielders this past year. Mm-hmm. All dudes that hit for contact and draw more walks than they strike out. Yep. And play good defense. So some very interesting things come up coming up um, that we're looking forward to. Um, so do you have anything else as far as baseball is concerned? Uh, no, no, I do not. Um, are the, let me check if the Padres are winning. Do they play today? Okay. I believe so. Because we have to pay attention to that because that, that's who people are comparing us to right now is the Padres. Right. That's the team we're chasing right now. So they must have won. They won yesterday. I know that. Brewers were. Oh, they are winning right now against the Giants, five to one. Damn Giants. Damn Padres. I'm not a fan of them either. Yeah. All right. So let's do. Let's talk about our power pair. I will let you go first. You want to do pitchers or position players first? Uh, pitcher. I will just say that the Padres play the Blue Jays this weekend, so there's an opportunity mm. for the Brewers to make up some game, make up some ground. Blue Jays are a pretty good team, and they're also fighting for the playoffs. Um, so Woody is my pitcher. Um, I picked him. Just you know, he had a really good outing, and he's been really, really good. And I wanted to give him some credit. Um, I was flip flopping between him and uh, Peralta because I was really happy to see my boy Freddie back. Um, yeah, I called him the right name, right? That's crazy. Not a boy. Yeah, you didn't <laughs> call pick. him Willie Peralta this time. Good God, how many times I did that in a row. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, Woody was really good this week. I mean, the six innings pitch, the 10 Ks, the one walk. I mean, he only gave up four hits, so he was really, really good. So that's why I picked Woody as my pitcher. Okay, so I went with a guy. We probably could have considered him last week, but I went with Brent Suter. So he pitched three innings, only gave up one walk, Three hits, no earned runs in the last um, last week. He hasn't mm-hmm. given up an earned run since August sixth. Wow. Yeah, ten straight innings scoreless. Um, I just pulled it up. His ERA since June seventh is two fifty four. Wow. The two fifty four ERA since June seventh. So mm-hmm. he picked a great time to start contributing. You know, we had some kind of rocky outings in the middle of the the middle of the summer there, but. Um, mm-hmm. 10 scoreless innings straight from Brent Suter is it's huge. And his energy is so infectious. He's been, he's been the glue guy as far as the clubhouse is concerned. Um, Mm -hmm. Nothing but positive comments coming from him talking constantly about banding together and hyping up guys like seeing him like lose his mind on the Christian Yelich home run. And like I mentioned with, after Kesson here, I hit his walk-off home run and he's over hyping up Garrett Mitchell. And and just feeding energy to him, and then you get to <laughs> you get to the post game, and he's talking about Craig Catch Council back. giving him the giving him the Tesla doors, which everybody kind of thought was a Raptor or a Vulture, but it's actually because they were talking about Tesla doors, because mm-hmm. um, the the bullpen phone in the dugout wasn't working, so mm-hmm. Craig Council had to get get a little creative and and hit the the Brent Suter bait the Brent Suter bat signal. Um, so Brent Suter knew to come into the game, but, um, seeing all that energy coming from Brent Suter was just another reason for me to put him in my power pair. So 
and rightfully so. He's been he's been awesome. And who doesn't who doesn't love it? He's an old school pitcher too. Yeah, I agree with Matt. I hope Brett Suter retires a brewer as well. He's awesome. I don't see with Brent Suter, I don't think money matters to him. I think he's just wants to be in a position where like he can do his thing. He's appreciated. People appreciate his energy and his character. Um, that's the karate kid pose. I don't know if he if he did the the leg lift or not, but um but I went with Brent Suter for my power pitcher. Who is your position player? Well, I went with uh, one of my boys again, uh, Hunter Renfro, because that guy, he straight up just rakes. So I looked up the stats, and I updated his at-bats and his hits. 13 for 29 this week. That's very, very good. That is a 440 batting average, 448. Um, he also had eight RBIs, uh, four walks, a home run, and four runs. So this guy was – getting on base he was scoring he and the one home run from him you know a guy with so much power is actually kind of surprising but he's hitting so that's all that matters uh him yelly was good this week and there's a couple other guys that i could talk about i mean mitchell we could we could have gave him an honorable mention for him just coming up and really just doing his thing right away but i went with hunter renfro because he's been consistent over the last couple months i think yeah i went with i was originally going to go with christian yellow strictly because of him raising his batting average 10 points against the Cubs this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but after um, after Colton Wong just deciding that he was just going to rake everything this week, mm-hmm. I switched to Colton Wong. So in the past week, um, three home runs, eight hits, uh, four walks, and he now has a five-game hitting streak going. Wow. Uh, and he's go been playing way. good defense. So yeah. – um, which is really good to see that Colton Wong is playing good defense after yes. struggling in the first half of the season. So, yes. um, I went with Colton Wong. Not there. There was a lot of choices. Um, we've had weeks where it's really hard to pick a guy, but this week we had a lot of choices. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we brought up all the names of all the guys that have been contributing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really nice thing. Just wait till, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys on here that could be streaky. Like, Telez can be streaky. He could be a guy that can just also – Willie Adamas is certainly streaky. Yeah, Willie is streaky. Um, you Luis got a guy Reyes like, is streaky. Man, we need him to just go on. Just just give me one more good hot streak from him. That's what I need from him so we can get that final push to get in the playoffs. I have never so badly wanted the Brewers to make the playoffs in my entire life. I want them to make it so bad over the Padres – just oh my god you know how petty i can be dude i want that so bad because everybody's like oh the padres and then juan soto was like i feel bad for the pitcher blah 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 and then all this other stuff and they're all doing interviews and they're all talking out of their asshole and it's just like you guys haven't even suited up yet <laughs> i want that so badly dude so this weekend i'm really hoping that they could take the lead you know in the wild card and get into the position at least because then next week i'm bringing that energy all right, so you mentioned the Padres are playing the Blue Jays this weekend. Um, yeah. So the Brewers start a four-game series at Arizona, and then they have three at Colorado. Now, you look on the surface, and it's like, oh, these are two under 500 teams. These teams, you know, the Brewers should beat these teams handily, whatever. Um, those two teams are actually a little bit better than their records suggest. Um, for them being as close to 500 as they are, in a division like the NL West, where you have the Padres, the Giants, and the Dodgers, um, that's tough. So that's 
in my opinion, I would say the best division in baseball, maybe the AL East, but the Red Sox are kind of falling off hard. Um, I lied. They play the Dodgers. Oh, all right. So that's even well, better. You know, at that point, you might as well just cheer for the Dodgers to beat the Padres because it benefits the Brewers, and it's not like anybody's catching the Dodgers anyways. Well, we can maybe watch the Brewers take the lead on Sunday because they play on ESPN. So I would enjoy watching the Dodgers win like 110 games and then lose in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Jeez. Um, I would. Yes, I would thoroughly enjoy that. Um. So just don't underestimate those two teams. Um, and then as far as going forward, um, it's interesting to see what Adrian Hauser's role is. So he pitched two scoreless innings today, mm-hmm. um, but out of the bullpen. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens when Aaron Ashby gets back into the rotation, what the Brewers do then with their starting rotation. Um, and then again, tomorrow the Brewers get to add two more players to the roster. Um, Rowdy Telez was day to day and he was back today in the DH spot. So Thankfully, Rowdy's not going to be on the injured list. So, yep. Actually, uh, to answer Matt's question, the Dodgers and Padres play nine times before the season is over. They have a, they have nine games to play yet. So, that's because you know in the beginning of the season, everybody thought the Dodgers weren't going to be running away with a twenty game lead in their own division. So, because the Giants were really good last year, right? And the Padres, you know, on paper. Okay, I got to do it now because of our conversation yesterday. The Padres remind me so much of the Clippers because we were just talking right. about on paper. Yep. On like paper, the, Cl- yep. the Clippers on paper are freaking disgusting, right? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, they got Kawhi, they got PG, they got John Wall. I mean, they got a ton of playmakers over there. And then you put them on the court and they just don't produce. And this guy misses 10 games. This guy misses 30 games. This guy hasn't played in a year and a half. This guy hasn't <laughs> played in two years, you know, and like, same thing with the Padres. You, the Padres on paper are a very, very good team, but then you put them on the baseball field and they're just not producing like they should be. Yeah. Manny Machado has bounced back, so I will say that. I still hope he sucks for the rest of the year, but he has bounced yeah. back. So I give him a little bit <laughs> Me too. Screw that um, and Matt Matt said he hopes the Dodgers go 9-0 and in those games. So do I. At this point, I hope the Dodgers win out the rest of the year, and then, like I said, I hope they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like I would love it if they set a, a regular season win record, like if they just broke all the records and won 110 games yeah. and then just lost in the first round of the playoffs, that would, that would bring me joy because their, their attempts at buying championships and, and contention annoys me. So, well, we know they're not going to win the title because the only title they win is a 60 game season. If they, mm. oh my God, if they lose, the audacity if they lose in the first round of their playoffs. Oh my God. Just burn it all down at that point. That's what I'm going to say. Oh man, that would be awesome. I would It'd thoroughly enjoy that. Um, all right. You have anything else baseball related? No, I do not. All right. We get to talk a little bit of football today. So we are going to welcome in a third talking head to the show. Mikey Mike, what's good, my guy? You're muted. Oh, You're muted. Yeah. He wasn't. He unmuted himself. Should have let us do it for him. <laughs> yeah, Matt, the Lakers and the Dodgers both won shortened season titles. Yeah. It sounds quiet. like you're talking to us from like 86 yards away. It does sound like 
No. To start saying Mertz really loud, and then we'll tell you if we hear you. Quiet. It sounds dude. like somebody kidnapped you and put you in the basement, and you're trying to show up for help. <laughs> like you have tape over your mouth. You're like, help me, help me. <laughs> uh, and the kidnapper is just like, I've soundproofed the basement, so nobody will hear you. <laughs> okay, how now? We good? Oh, I can hear you now. Now oh, we're good. You, Sorry, I had headphones in, and apparently those aren't that good. So uh, we're gonna Man, take up for this. But fuck no, them headphones. I was saying, uh, I was. I mean, I was telling you guys a couple weeks ago when we were in town for the Keel picnic, uh, how I was watching highlights from you know la- last season and you know of mm-hmm. that mediocre season, and I'm just like, all right, I'm ready to go. We gotta, we gotta talk this here, man. So he's, he's got to bring. The, you got to put yourself through the pain again, Mikey, to get ready. I, I hear you. Huh? Motivation. Yeah, just the the stuff that keeps on giving, you know, just get my heart broken a couple of times a year and uh, we're, we're saddled up and ready to go. <laughs> welcome, welcome to sports in Wisconsin. <laughs> that's that's that, like part of why we, we try to encourage people to enjoy the journey. Cause we're going to have fun yeah. during Badger season. It's going to yep. happen. We're going to have games where like Braylon Allen rushes for 7,000 yards in one game. And Chesma Lucy has 655 yards in the same game. And the Badgers um, win seventy to three or something like that. It's going to happen. Maybe it happens on Saturday. I don't know. I'm not really expecting a lot out of Illinois State, but um, we're going to have fun <laughs> during games this season. Like yeah. the Badgers, this isn't going to happen. But the Badgers could go one and eleven, and their only win be Ohio State, and we would still have had fun for at least one game this season. Can yeah. you fucking imagine? Oh my god! Don't. <laughs> Oh God damn! <laughs> like it'd be funny because people would be like, "Damn, Wisconsin sucked this year," and it'd be like, "But we beat Ohio State, so what?" <laughs> so like you know, there there will be fun along the journey. It's not going to be just you know only fun if the Badgers make a really good bowl game or if they mm-hmm. win ten games or anything like that. Like we're going to have fun during the season, so. Um, <laughs> We're going to let Mike go first, and we're going to talk about one player we're excited for, or two players we're excited for on offense, two we're excited for on defense. So um, I'll give you the option if you want to start with offense or defense and then uh, give us your two that you're excited for. Uh, I'll start with defense first. So I, I'm not going to go with the obvious guys that are, you know, necessarily back. Uh, this I year. did. I went with, I went very obvious. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, uh, my guy this year is actually going to be Hunter Wollard. Uh, he's going to be one of the starting safeties this year yeah coming yep. into the, the bad when he got recruited he was a big like high four star guy at safety i mean it was down between us and ohio state to get the guy so um he's going to be one of the most i in my opinion one of the more athletic safeties that we have seen in quite some time um even if you go back to his days watching film well he was at muskego he's just a safety that plays downhills and he just punishes the hell out of dudes so i think you know combining that with you know, our linebacking core that we have coming back. I think he's going to really, really surprise some people. He was one of the only freshmen that did get playing time in general last year, too. So it's nice that he got a little bit of that under his belt. So he's not necessarily going to be brand new to the position, uh, at least at the college level. So mm-hmm. uh, he's probably my number. Well, yeah, one guy that, you know, might catch some people off guard when they're talking about this badger defense. So he's going to be my number one guy. And then my second one is going to be Jay Shaw, uh, one of the transfer cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, the one bright spot I finally like, I do like about 
the Badger defense this year is that they really, really addressed the the corner position in terms of yep. And I mean, you guys have heard me t- criticize. You know, if there's one thing that the Badgers defense has not been great at, it's been the cornerback position. Well, in this offseason, the one thing they did a good job at, on is you know getting those you know transfers to come in. And yes, we're probably going to need a couple games to gel, which is perfect, especially for these first three games that we have before Ohio State. So, mm-hmm. you know, it starts with a guy like Jay Shaw, who has that experience in the Pac-12, who has all conference experience for that matter, um, you know, playing for UCLA. So um, mm-hmm. hey, those are the two guys I'm most, you know, looking forward to to, you know, help contribute to this defense, because I'm going to bring this up la- later on when we talk about bold predictions. But I think you know, as far as, you know, takeaways and stuff, I think those two are both going to have a serious impact on that. The Badgers actually brought in three cornerback transfers from out of state. So um, they really did, like you said, they really addressed that position. Paul Chris talked about really addressing their secondary. Um, aside from Hunter Waller, um, John Torchio is going to be back there with him. Um, and he had a couple bright spots of some interceptions last year. So if if Hunter Waller is kind of playing downhill and, and Torchio can be that that ball hawk guy kind of deep, um, there's some potential for the Badgers secondary. So I like those picks. Um, Jake, who are you looking forward to on defense? So I went with a pretty obvious guy, but a guy that doesn't get enough love. Um, I'm a big man. So, you know, I love love that big man. Um, so I went with uh, Keanu Benton. Um, he's the guy. He's the man in the middle. Um, he's a monster. Um, just like Kenny Clark for the Packers. Kenny Clark makes everything go on that defense by sucking up two to two to two offensive players and then getting in the backfield and wrecking havoc. So you look at a guy like Keanu Benton, um, over 33 career games, 24 starts at nose tackle, right? Um, he had 45 tackle, 45 tackles, nine tackles for loss, and four and a half sacks. That's for his career. Just last year, 25 tackles, five tackles for loss, and two and a half sacks. Of of those two and a half sacks, he had two of those sacks against Minnesota. So a big time game. He showed up. Um, he also had six tackles in that game. So he was a monster in that Minnesota game. Heartbreaker that we lost. It is what it is. But I'm looking for Keanu Benton to really, really have a good game. Um, good year. Um, he's gonna have to show up in some big time games because we actually have a pretty tough schedule this year, to be honest with you. Especially you know, a lot of our all, all of our big games are away. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be a challenge this year. Who's your other one? Uh, my offensive guy. So you like had one. You had one on each. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel. Right, like... Let me do. Let me do my defense guys then. Okay. Okay. Do your defense. Right. Okay. So I also had Keanu Benton on, and I got to give Mike credit because Mike brought him up last year. So I got to give Mikey some credit on that because Mike brought up Keanu Benton last year, and now we're bringing him up again this year. I think if he has a good season, he could end up being a day two draft pick. Whatever. If he if he puts together a good season. Um. My other one, like I said, I went obvious. I love watching the Badgers play defense. Jake and I have talked about this before. I mm-hmm. think I like watching the Badgers play defense more than I like watching them play offense. Oh, 100%. And the guy that I'm going to be watching this year, my eyes are going to be glued on Nick Herbig, um, the grid oh, factory the inventor. Guy. He is the next man up in the the long line of, of good Badgers linebackers. Um, I liked him last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, I brought him up as, as kind of the unsung third linebacker after Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn. But Nick Herbig actually was very, very good last year. Um, I believe he's already on the Butkus. Is that the is that the linebacker watch list? Um, yep. He's already on like the all Big Ten um, 
like all American watch list. He's on everybody's radar and he's next myself in line. included. He's next in <laughs> I'm, line. I'm so excited <laughs> to watch Nick Herbig this year. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, so those are the two that I'm looking for. Um, Jake's excited to talk about offense. So I'm going to let Jake go. I have two on offense. I only have one on defense because right. there's only one guy that I care about on defense. Oh, you're fine. No offense to anybody, but Keanu <laughs> Benton needs, needs to get more love. So on offense, uh, my first one, uh, it, he changed his number this year. Uh, he's number one now, uh, Ches Malusi. Um, mm, we one. all love Braylon Allen, right? We all watch Braylon Allen grow from this little kid to this gigantic mammoth of a man, right? Um, so then you get Ches Malusi transfer. Um, sucks that he got hurt last year, but he he looks absolutely freaking stacked. I don't know if any of you have <laughs> seen photos oh, yeah. of him. Mikey, I know you have. He looks huge. He is massive. He's trying to do his best Braylon Allen impersonation. Dude, and d- hey, I know you're talking, but don't sleep on Isaac Garendo. I have this written down in my notes. Do not. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> all right I'll let Mike he, talk about He's got it. the speed. He's got the speed. I, that's exactly what it is. Isaac see, that, that, got the see speed. Garendo's got the speed. Ches Malusi's kind of the, kind of the middleman. And then Braylon Allen's just exceptional at all. Yeah, exactly. yeah, Allen's exceptional at both. He's got the What's power. What's up, he's Anthony? Got he's got the feet. He's got the vision. Braylon Allen right. is every bit of everything. Uh, so my first guy was Ches Malusi. My next one, I really feel like I'm the only one on this boat, and I don't care. I'll be the only one on there. I'm a big fan of Marcus Allen. Um, oh, you fucker. Dude, Marcus Allen, dude, this is my freaking boy. He was also a four-star recruit. Um, he was actually committed to Michigan in April of 2020. He decommitted from Michigan September of 2020. And he's committed to Wisconsin November of that same year. So he left Michigan, came to Wisconsin, saw opportunity. Um, he's 6'2", 190. When I watch him, he's just a big, smooth athlete. I mean, he's a guy that's 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, he just seems like a guy, if you watch the Badgers offense at all over the last you know 20 years, a lot of those middle routes, a lot of that little 10-15 area, he could kill in there because he's big. He's a big, stocky guy, so he could take that pounding. I also think that he'll be the new red zone guy since Jake Ferguson is gone. So, well, I mean, we're going to hand the ball off 10 billion gajillion times. <laughs> but um, I think Marcus Allen could be a receiving option. Um, he is only a redshirt freshman, so he's a guy that could stay with us for a while and really blossom and – I just like his potential. I mean, four-star recruit at wide receiver. When's the last time we got excited about that at Wisconsin? Seriously. Lee Evans? Yeah, right? <laughs> that tells you everything right there. Right? What was that, 2003? What's up, Anthony? Um, who's your other one besides Ches Malusi? Oh, Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen and Ches Malusi. Those are your two. Yes, those are my um, I had Marcus Allen as well. I'm really excited. We're going to talk about this in the coaching changes a little bit, but I'm really excited to see what the Badgers can do in the passing game this year. Like Graham Mertz has been super hot and cold on the passing yeah. game. So I have Marcus Allen and Kimmeray DK as my other one. Kimmeray DK was one of mine last year. Um, the Badgers still pretty much stuck with Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis, but those two mm-hmm. are gone. That is a yeah. lot of targets and a lot of Graham Mertz passing options right there. So it's going to be Kimmeray DK and Marcus Allen this year. Um, I liked Kimmeray DK last year. He made some crazy catches. But now this year he gets to step up and he is going to be the guy. Um, and then Marcus Allen is going to be the other guy with him. I think Jake said uh, Marcus Allen could potentially be the red zone guy. I think Kimmeray DK is going to be that red zone guy. He's um, got good hands. 
And he's, I like he's athletic. I like him a lot too. Um, so I'm looking at Kimmeray DK as my other player that I'm excited for on offense. Um, I'm going to let Mike talk about Isaac Garendo now because he's on the list. But Before you go, Mikey, you were just talking about the draft. And if DK has a good year, he could be a guy that could sneak onto a roster next year for with preseason. Oh, 100%. You know, Pri- Pryor was looking really good for the Bengals for a couple weeks there. Danny, Danny Davis, Davis looked good yep. for the Packers. I mean – the, it's not like the like the Badgers aren't getting talent out there. It's just, He's got the physical tools, is, is yeah. what it is. And DK's got nice soft hands, so I could I legitimately could see. I'm him really excited for those two to have the the reins this year, wide receiver. It's going to be an interesting year in offense. Did you guys see Pryor got picked up by the Jaguars? Actually, oh really? That, that just happened this afternoon. So. Um, cool. The Bengals Good wanted to bring him back on the practice squad, but now the Jaguars picked him up, so he's on the 53-man down there. So Nice. Uh, Badgers on, on that roster down there, him and yep. Dan So, yeah. Love it. That was cool to see, but um, I'll touch – yeah, I'll touch base on uh, – we'll go with Grendo first. I mean, this is a guy that's had in the last two, three, three years, you know. Um, he just needs to put it all together. We've seen flashes of it last year, yeah. so. Um, and you know, we definitely could have used him throughout to close out the year, especially when Braylon was getting dicked up a little here and there. Yeah. But I mean, you know, going into this first depth chart going against Illinois State, I mean, I'm they got him as a kick returner this year to start, which I'm Ooh. very excited for personally. Um, I think they're I think mm. coach is gonna use, find ways to put him out in space, possibly line up as receiver. That's just a prediction that I have in like his new offense. I like um, it. The more that we get our running backs involved this year, the better. I would love to see some sort of formations with at least two of those three dudes out on the field at the same time because, um, you know, Grand was the, the quickest out of all of them. And I just think if the He's more like one of the ways, fastest players in college football, period. Yeah, yeah, the more ways we can use him, the better. So not only we're going to be using him at that running back spot, probably the third down situation at least, but I could see him lining up a receiver. He's going to be the kick returner to start. I like um, that. I think that's the most exciting thing mm-hmm. out of, the, of getting the him on the field. Hands. Exactly. Just getting him the opportunity. I like that. I like that it, him as a kick returner. I really like that. Yeah. My other guy, actually, you guys are bringing up receivers. And uh, my guy, Skylar Bell, actually, he, he's my mm-hmm. – uh, he's he's been climbing up in camp. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the last – month here or so but he's you know making play after play after play once fall camp started and he's the number guy in the on the depth chart going into this this season and you know based off of what you're, you're hearing from guys like evan flood jake karaksky you know they always keep bringing him up like with the plays that he's been making in practice so he's been putting in a lot of work another red shirt freshman just like marcus allen so um you know once dk if he god bless him hopefully he has a great year he can go off to the nfl I think we're going to be sitting in good hands at the receiving spot, uh, personally, led by, you know, DK, obviously, Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell. And, you know, you've been here, you just hear nothing but, you know, praise about the, this kid that's just been making plays in practice. So uh, I'm looking forward to Skylar, Skylar Bell actually making, you know, a few plays for us this year. And um, I'm going to give a shout out one more guy. It's going to be real quick. I got to give a shout out to the offensive line, Jack Nelson. I'm going to put him in there. You know how bad with how bad our offensive line was last year with you know how many times we struggled. Mm-hmm. It I was so happy to hear that he got moved over to left tackle. I feel very comfortable about him being in that spot mm-hmm. versus you know, unfortunately that left guard now, but Tyler Beach. So I Jack Nelson, he has played that spot before. He played it in high school. So 
I mean, high school to college, obviously that's a little, you know, the learning curve is still there, but I'm happy to see him get that left tackle spot going into this year personally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think hopefully that gives Mercy some uh, peace of mind as well. So just had to give a quick shout out to him. I'm going to say this about Skylar Bell. Does that not sound like a, a sick wide receiver in college? Like that guy just sounds like a baller. Like Skylar Bell, 60 yards. Like, come on, you can hear it in your brain already. Yeah. It sounds good. I'm all for it. Oh, he's been making plays, so I had to give him a shout out. So hopefully, yeah, all three of those guys that we mentioned can uh, help us out in that spot. And that's a perfect way to transition into the coaching staff changes because the, the Badgers didn't have an offensive coordinator last year. Paul Chris served as the head coach, offensive coordinator, and quarterbacks coach last year. I brought it up that maybe he was wearing too many hats. And, you know, it comes down to the Badgers added Bobby Ingram as an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Um, and he's taking over play calling. So yeah. Paul Chris won't be doing play calling this year, which it really gives me hope. I'm going to hold on to this hope. I'm going to cross my fingers but not hold my breath that it means that the, the playbook opens up at least a little bit. Um, we've talked about it tons and tons of times when it talks when it comes to the Packers, but I love play action. The Badgers are better set up to run play action than anybody who has ever played football in the history of ever, because everybody knows that the Badgers want to run the ball like 75% of the time. Well, you have big, gigantic 400 pounders, five of them. Yeah, you better run the ball. <laughs> yeah, and those are the running backs. Not, that's when you get to the offensive linemen, and they're all bigger than that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but going to this, um, he Bobby Ingram was an NFL wide receiver. His kid, Dean Ingram, was actually a cornerback. He's flipped to wide receiver this year. Uh, but Bobby Ingram was an NFL wide receiver. He was an assistant coach with the Ravens for the last eight years, five of them as a wide receiver coach, three of them as a tight end coach. Yeah. Um, and everybody knows what who Mark Andrews is, if you pay attention to the NFL, um, one of the best tight ends in the country now. Um, and then he was a wide receiver coach at 2012 and 2013 with Paul Christ. So there's already some familiarity there. Um, and so I'm interested to see what this can do for guys like Kim Ray DK, Mark Salen, and, and then Mike brought up Skylar Bell. Because the, the Badgers, we don't really know who the guy is going to be at tight end. Last year, we knew it was going to be Jake Ferguson and he was going to get drafted. We knew that last mm-hmm. year. This year, kind of a question mark. And maybe that means that the wide receivers are more involved this year. And maybe having a, a Bobby Ingram, who is a wide receiver and a tight end coach, can kind of mix up the playbook a little bit. Now, I'm not I'm not calling for like a 50-50 balance between run and pass, because that's just not the Badgers' style. But mm-hmm. um, Nor is it their strength. I mean, with the guys you have in the backfield there, we, we brought up all three of them. Um, but I'm interested to see what it could mean for the receiving game, for the passing game. Um, so Mike, I don't know what your thoughts are on the coaching staff changes that they've got going on. So, I mean, I'll, yeah, with coach anger, we obviously needed to do something with play calling, right? I mean, casual badger fan knew what we were going to do on third down, you know, like a third and third and one. Yeah. We're going to give it to our fullback. And that's just a quick example, just to convert that or like a fourth and one. That's like the badger way, you know, Brady shipper. It got really, really predictable in general. Uh, even for the last couple seasons of what we are going to do. So in, in terms of play calling, absolutely a change was made. I think not. And that that's just going to help with, well, potentially. We don't know what Coach Ingram's going to do yet, but I think it's going to help with recruiting. I mean, in general, because we're going to have to, you know, do something to get, you know, a quarterback, for example, 
um, a new quarterback into, you know, to, to come play for us because in case you guys don't know, we don't have a quarterback for this next recruiting class. And I have a, I have a feeling that last year's season kind of had a little bit to do with that because we were, you know, just giving it the handing the ball up 50 times real quick on the subject of quarterbacks too. Chase Wolf is done for the season. So the Badgers are kind of really don't have a backup quarterback either right now. Yeah. We're on thin ice in a numerous positions, which makes me a little bit worried in certain areas, but um, going into this year, I'm going to have an open mind until, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we need to make adjustments. So yep. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some sort of new formations. I mentioned it before. I would love to see, you know, two, at least two out of our three running backs on the field, like numerous times just to open up those kinds of options and mm-hmm. wide receiver too. Like you said, I think we're going to have plenty of options there as well. I mean, tight end. Yeah. Big question mark. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of adjustments we we have there. Clay Cundiff is our one. He was out for most of the year last year. When he Did had we that- ever find out what his injury was? I never could find anything. Like, he got carted off and taken off in an ambulance from the field. And, like, I never heard what his actual injury was. I would... I could find I could find out. I I think it was something with his leg or knee or something like that. But yeah, like I want to say leg, but um, yeah. No, it's, I mean that, that was really all we saw was that he was holding his leg. We didn't know if it was like a really bad ACL or or if it was like a broken leg. Like I I was never able to find anything about what it was. Yeah, it's something like that. But you know, with yeah, the tight end spot's very questionable because not even just him, but we have other guys that are very injury prone on there mm-hmm. as well. Jack Eschen box right there. Hayden, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I guess, but he was out, he was out oh, like half for half the year last year as well. So a lot of question marks there. So we'll see what happens. What Eschenbach I could be, could be one of the guys to keep an eye on, but yeah, with the coaching staff changes, I actually am a huge, huge fan of this. The new old line coach Bob Bosted. Yeah, I think that's like Coach Rudolph was good, but this dude, in my opinion, is an upgrade. This he used to coach the linebackers, right? Yes, yeah. this he used to put O line in the league too. Yeah. So before he was linebackers coach, he He's was the O line, and his coaching mentality is different from Rudy. He likes to keep guys in the same spot for like the whole entire and learn one spot, rather than Coach Rudolph who would like rotate guys around a lot. So uh, I think you know we have oh Bostad's got a lot of experience at the O line group. I'm very, very excited because I, I think that was the best move. And I think that was just as good of a move as uh, the bringing in Bobby Ingram, to be honest, because this dude's got experience. He puts first round linemen in the league too, mind you. Yeah. So um, those are the, I mean, there was other coaching changes as well, but I'll just address, you know, those two right there. But no, I'm, I'm excited, especially with the old line spot. I think we're in terms of, you know, bringing guys in at that, the, that position, I think we're going to be just fine. So uh, no, Huge fan. I knew I knew I loved you, Mikey. That was great <laughs> bringing that up. Um, I I really just talked about Ingram because I think that's going to be the most dramatic change that we're we're going to see. Uh, this will be the third different play caller in the same amount of years in mm-hmm. three years for the Badgers. Yep. So let's give some leeway to Mertz. I mean, to come yep. in as a freshman and then next, the next year you have a different play caller. It's your head coach. And he's stressed out. Cause he, like Tyler said, he's wearing too many hats. And now you have this other guy with NFL experience. I think that's going to do nothing but good things. Um, if you read anything on it, Mertz talked about going and meeting with Ingram, spending time with him. He put him in game situations. He said, it's third and eight. We're down by a touchdown uh, late in the third quarter. What are you calling? And he talked about how 
he wanted to see and feel his feel for the game, you know, in those moments before they got put in them. So, you know, him having NFL experience playing in the NFL, his son, obviously Tyler brought that up. The thing that's going to change this year though, is Ingram's going to be calling the players from the box. So mm-hmm. he's going to be calling the plays and the players are going to have to signal the play down. So that could be something where the Badgers playing style, you know, and our big boys up front, they're not used to, you know, hustling a little bit. That's going to be something that's going to change. I would like to see us run a little bit more tempo. I think that could knock some people off guard. I mean, I think that could benefit Graham Mertz too, honestly. It could, you know, he's in a rhythm, keep him hot. Right. Um, But my point is you got these big, gigantic 380 pounders. Why not just have them run five seconds after that? You want to exhaust somebody lay on lay 400 pounds on them consistently. That's all I'm going to say. That'll exhaust anybody. <laughs> so I'm tired just me, thinking about it. Yeah, seriously. To <laughs> me, Ingram is really going to be the – he's going to be the most dramatic change. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the offensive line, though, because I had that written down just in case somebody didn't bring it up. But him switching from linebackers, and if you looked at the Badgers the last five years, the amount of linebackers we put in the league, even if they were practice well, guys. Joe Schobert's still getting jobs. Just, yeah, he's getting <laughs> traded and still playing. I mean, we, me and you have talked about this. A guy that nobody talks about, Andrew Van Ginkle. That guy's still on the mm-hmm. Dolphins. Yeah. I mean, TJ Edwards. on the Saints. Zach Ball and TJ Edwards. Those guys are just floating yeah. around the NFL. Obviously, yeah. we know TJ Watt. The guy just won the defensive player of the year. So, I mean, we got a Chris number Orr of was floating around for a while, too. He was. Um, so, this guy is going to go back to the offensive line. Uh, we're going to get back to being mean. We're going to get back to putting people on their asses. And we're going to have some big old alleyways for Braylon Allen's big giant ass to walk through. So <laughs> very excited about that. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go to some big games. So, Mike, what are the what are some big games that you really have circled on the calendar right now? Yeah, there's a I mean, Jake kind of mentioned it before. They're all kind of on the road pretty yeah. much. Yep. At Ohio, it starts with at Ohio State. Um, you know, they got a lot coming back this year and it's going to be interesting to see how uh we adjust you know both on offense and defense how our transfers and from the secondary play against a guy like cj stroud um you know graham mertz going into the freaking horseshoe you know god god help us if he plays like he how he did last year but you know i'm I'm remaining optimistic okay Um, that's what we do i could go down the line here i'm i don't know if michigan state is just a fluke from last year um but you know, going on the road at that place is not is just you know it's going to be hot, obviously. So um, that's a big game. I mean, at Northwestern, right? We're I don't know if you want to call it big. All I know is that we don't we do not play well there in general. We have we have we're under like some sort of curse. It's a, it's a trap it, game always. It's a tra- huge trap game. It's never Illinois. Yeah, it's never yeah. Or, exactly. or Purdue sometimes I feel like is always a, a trap game. Dude's yeah. defending. I mean, they got a guy who can – they got O'Connell, their quarterback for Purdue. He can sling it. But I would have to say the top two, I'm going to say at Ohio State, and then I'm going to say at Kinnick in Iowa at the end of the day. Um, Iowa is going to be uh, probably another night game like last time, last yep. couple of times we played out there because, um, you know, if especially if we're doing good throughout the year, they're going to find a way to make that a night game, just make that yeah. possible for us. So. Um, yeah, going into that stadium is definitely no cakewalk by any means. So uh, I would say at Ohio State and at Iowa are the, the two biggest ones on the schedule for. 
those are the two that I have written down. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't pick talking, two. I picked more than yeah, two. <laughs> we're, we're talking about there's a lot of um, what what changes are going to be brought in with this offense with the two receivers being gone, with Jake Ferguson being gone, all the running backs are back, and hopefully they're all healthy throughout the entire season. Um, yeah. And we talked about giving the offense a couple games to gel, so there's potentially three games for the offense to gel, and hopefully that fourth week is where it all comes together. And if that's the case and that's the way it goes, maybe the Badgers can pick up a win at Ohio State. That would be a that would be a resume-building game. When it comes to the end of the season and we're talking about what, what bowl games the Badgers could get, where they're going to finish ranked, that Ohio State game is going to matter. Yep. Even if they lose that game, if they if they have it close, like if the if the Badgers get blown up by Ohio State, it's not going to matter. Yep. But if the Badgers are close in that game or find a way to win it, that's going to matter at the end of the season. So that's a resume building game. That's what I'm looking at with that. Um, and then I also have Iowa. Uh, Mike is talking about it, and he's talking about you know it's just it's just one of those games. To me, what I have written down with this game is it's one of those games that makes or breaks the season. So we get into those late season games where it's like the Badgers are hovering at, at say nine and three, 10 and two, eight and four area where they're in one of those games late in the season. And this is one of those that's going to make it seem like they looked pretty good in this game or the Badgers had, you know, kind of a mediocre season. That's what those Iowa games feel like to me. Um, those late season tough road games. Um, those are the two that I have on my list. So Jake, what do you got? So I wrote down four. Um, I'll pick two out of the four. So I'm going to talk about Iowa just because of obviously we all know Curtis and yeah. you know, we Mikey brought up Keel Technic weekend and Curtis was already bringing the smoke. So man, part of me really wants to find a way to go to that game. I think that would be absolutely <laughs> insane. Oh, let's, let's do it. Let's figure it out. Let's go. Uh, we all have off on Saturdays. Um, secondly, outside, I'm not even going to be a homer right now. I do think that Iowa has the coolest home tradition where they, they they do the wave. And if you don't know, they all wave at the Children's Hospital, which is right next to the stadium. Yeah. That is a heartwarming moment. Not even going to be a homer. That is the best tradition in college football because it involves kids. And that is a soft yep. spot for me. Yep. My next one is going to be versus Minnesota. Because yeah. fuck that game last year. That sucked. <laughs> you know, we lost the Notre Dame game, and that was hard to watch. I mean, we lost the Penn Notre State game, game was rough. What was the Penn State game was rough. 10. But the Minnesota game, for some reason, is still sticking in my goddamn brain because we were on fire going into that game. And it was like, if we could find a way to win this game, we can get a good bowl that'll help recruiting, get us more money, blah, 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 right? But I want the axe back. I absolutely cannot stand Minnesota fans. I'm at the point now in the NFL offseason where everybody's just pissing me off. Even Packers fans are pissing me off. Oh, so, God. To revert it back hey, to Tyler college. Goodson made it back to the practice squad just like oh, we said Jesus. he was going to. I'm not going to let you want to bring it up. Tyler's going to go on a tangent. I'm just going to say we're getting the damn axe back, and it's going to be a good year in Madison. I'm not even being optimistic. I'm just being real. I think it's going to be a good year in Madison. I do think that they're going to lose in, uh, at Ohio State. That's not a shocker. Right. Yeah. But if so, they keep it close. On your on that subject, give me your record prediction. I picked 10 and 2. This is, this is the Badgers we're talking about, right? So I'm going to keep it completely real. They're going to lose to Ohio State. 
and they're going to find a way to lose to an annoying goddamn team that they should not freaking lose to. <laughs> and it's going to piss me off and it's going to ruin my life for an entire week. And then I'll be okay when they win the next week. All right, Mikey, what do you got for a record prediction? I've been going back and forth on this. Me if, too. if we can stay healthy, right? If we can stay healthy for the most part, I'm going to go 10 and 2 as well. I think we lose to Ohio State, and I freaking hate to say this, but I think we go to Northwestern and we just lay another freaking egg again. I don't know what it is. We keep playing bad there all the time, and it's really, it's, really, it, it's, Wisconsin. I know what you're doing. I don't know what it is, but I think we go, I went back and forth on nine and three or 10 and two. I'm being optimistic like I am going into the year, and I'm going to say 10 and two. Um, you know, I just think we just go to Northwestern and just, you know, lay an egg there. But, um, you know, I, I want to give Coach Leonard, I mean, the benefit of the doubt with all these transfers coming in. He's addressed for the most part of, like, you know, the defense. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to Mertz. The difference between going, you know, seven and five or eight and four versus a 10 and two is going to be Graham Mertz at the end of the day. Nope. We can have the. A, we can have the three best running backs in the country. That's fine. At the end of the day, the quarterback's got to make plays. You know, getting that extra touchdown going into halftime. You know, yep. putting better end zone execution. My God, we had to have been one of the wor worst teams in the Big Ten at least last year for that. I feel like Third, when it came down to the red zone, that Graham Mertz was only looking at Jake Ferguson if he was throwing correct. the ball. Yes, and that and that. Oh, you, know, you say that in the Penn State game just comes back and you know it gives Ugh. me last year when you say that so Bro, he had a wide open on second down he had a wide fucking open on second down he airmailed this son of a bitch oh my god yeah so go ahead no i was just gonna say i'm gonna go open mind be be very very optimistic 10 and 2 ohio state i'm gonna say northwestern unfortunately but uh we find a way to get back to indy to and take it from there um looking forward to hopefully graham mertz improving from last year the only and I'm gonna say I'm very I'm optimistic for the fact that I look at a guy like Jack Cohn, right? So when Jack Cohn, the first year he started, he was maybe average at best when he mm -hmm. got the role. Then he comes back for the second year and starts for us, and he was a big, big part as to why we got back to Indianapolis to play in the Big Ten championship game. I am hoping Graham can make the same jump that he did going into his second full year, so to speak, as as a starter. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm starting to be very optimistic about this. But yeah. I know what you're doing, Mikey. I know what you're doing with that Northwestern thing. You're you're preparing yourself for the pain. And oh, it's, a, it's a smart strategy. It's a smart I'm already, strategy. I'm already prepared. It's going to be a gloomy 11 a.m. game. No <laughs> it's going to be rainy as shit. You can't even go outside after the game, so you're stuck uh, inside pissed. Play that. I know. I understand. 11 a.m. Just. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm prepared. My, you know, I'm just buckle up, folks. <laughs> I went back and forth so many times too between nine and three and ten and two. I ultimately settled on ten and two. The three games that I had were yes, Ohio State. Um, I looked at Iowa. I went back and forth on Iowa a bunch of times, but ultimately decided that the Badgers win at Iowa just because of the way they handled Iowa so well last year. It was like, is this going to be you know a slug out? you know, defense on defense, um, you know, a, a 10 to 7 game. And the Badgers went and won by double digits. We smacked the shit out of them. Yeah. yeah that was <laughs> so, awesome. 
Um, You're dragging I had, their ass in the fourth quarter, man. I, I settled on 10-2, and two, <laughs> and I went with the Ohio State, and I went with Michigan State as the other loss for the Badgers. Um, I think they'll win at Northwestern, but their second road game in a row is at Michigan State, so I picked that one for those other ones. Um, so on the second of back-to-back road games is, is where I went with the other ones. So. All right, let's do the fun stuff. After talking about potential losses, let's do the fun stuff. Let's do some bold predictions. Mikey's the guest, so we'll let you go first. Give us your offensive bold prediction. Okay. As far as I think somebody – okay, I'll give you two. I think somebody, a receiver, tight end, doesn't matter. One of one of the positions. Somebody gets 1,000 yards in receiving this hmm. year. Somebody. I like it. DK could be Skylar Bell, Marcus. I, I don't know. Somebody's going to get it. I don't know who it is. Probably DK. He's going to be the number one option, but I think one of them gets a thousand yards receiving. I think DK is in my bold predictions as well. A little bit, but uh, I think DK probably most likely. I think he gets a thousand yards receiving. Um, I'll give you it. (laughs) Tyler, you go first. I, Mike, if you have another one, go ahead. Um, I'm going to respond to Andrew real quick. Either Northwestern killed it or Nebraska sucks. Um, Both could be true. Uh, I just want to give Kirk Herbstreit shit for picking Nebraska to win the Big Ten West because that yeah. is garbage. <laughs> yeah, what a freaking oh idiot. my god, that is so Sorry. garbage. Scott Frost still have a job or like what? What's yeah. why? Just saying, <laughs> he still have a job. I'm just saying, if Paul Chris, if Wisconsin, if we played a game like that and Paul Chris like made that kind of a move, he would be out. Well, he wouldn't be out the door, but I would be like on social media hearing Stay that. Stay off. <laughs> How it, and, oh yeah, don't worry, Scott Frost will get it right. He's only six years in, into the job, you know. Yeah, but, right. Jesus. One of these days. <laughs> well, I'm eighty-four not. years. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you said you have crouch, you, you know, era back in ninety-seven. So yeah. you know, I'll, I'll give I'll give him that or whatever. Ninety-nine, yeah, too far, too long ago. Love living in the past, right? But uh, no, it's it's great. But did you say you have two for they, offense? I was going to say one more. One of the running backs is going to have at least 400 yards of receiving, too. Ooh. If well, I had to pick one, I would say Malusi. I'm yeah. just going to throw that out there if I had to pick one. I'm going to say 400 yards of receiving, one of the three. If hmm. Braylon Allen has 400 receiving yards, he's a top 20 pick. Yeah. I really feel yeah. that. Well, he's yeah. got to stick around for one he's more year yet. But, I mean, we just have the options to, like, spread it out like that, you know, oh, yeah. when I – get two of these running backs on the field as much as possible because they're dangerous as hell. It's like the, like the days where we were kind of floating between Melvin Gordon and and James White and Corey Clement. And like, that's, that's what it's starting to feel like with these three guys. Need that back. And I think we are, there's a good opportunity to, to make that happen as long as they help. No more Bradrick Shaw and Nakia Watson. (sighs) Daria Goombawale and, He's been in the NFL for, for a little while, though, too. So I got to give him a little credit. Yeah. All right, Jake, hit me with your offensive bold prediction. <laughs> Jesus. I went crazy compared to Mike. <laughs> All right. Crazier Crazy than a thousand yards receiver? Yeah. Okay. Wait till you hear this shit. <laughs> oh, so, God. The Packers. The Packers. Jesus Christ. That the is Badger. bold. Holy hell. The Packers are going to be doing shit in college. <laughs> The the Badgers will have a top five rushing offense. I went for the whole team. And they will have a top 20 passing offense. I like it. 
I like okay. I'm Imagine. just gonna put this. I'm gonna put this out there because Mikey said a thousand yard receiver. Jake said a top twenty offense. It pairs with mine because I mentioned that I think Kimmeray DK is gonna be the red zone threat. I put that Kimmeray DK is gonna have ten or more receiving touchdowns. Okay. Because okay, if, if so listen, listen. We're gonna be yes, if, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's gets cohesive. But listen, so like I, I have reasoning to go with this. So okay. A lot's going to be made of the Badger running game, and rightfully so. But hopefully with the new offensive coordinator and Chris not calling plays, we can unlock the full potential of the offense, whether it be play action, whether it be just throwing the ball more, seeing if Graham Mertz can take a step forward, and then the fact that the leading receiver on this team is not going to be the damn tight end this year. It's not. I guarantee it. I would bet any amount of money that the leading receiver on the Badgers this year will not be a tight end. So... That said, I think Kimmeray DK is going to be the number one target in this offense. He's got some little bit of trust with Graham Mertz from being the third guy last year. We mentioned Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor being gone. Jack Dunn is also gone from this yeah. offense too. So he was a guy who didn't get a ton of targets, but that's just more targets that are gone from this offense. In addition to Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, and Jake Ferguson, we're all out of this offense. Leaving Kimmeray DK is pretty much the only guy that has rapport with Graham Mertz. So true. not only is Kimmeray DK physically gifted, the offense could be potentially opened up more. You can run tons of play action because there are three damn good running backs in that backfield. And Kimmeray DK is also going to be Graham Mertz's safety blanket guy. Mm-hmm. True. Why not? All right, let's flip to the defensive side. Mike, give me your defensive bold prediction. Yeah. So I was looking, looking up some stats last year and, um, I noticed that we had, I think it was 16 interceptions total in, in last season. I think we get hmm. 30 interceptions this year a, as a Woo! team. I think the ball hawks, I think spicy. Yeah, we, I, I don't, the reason, I don't think we're going to get as much as a good of a pass, not quite as good of a pass rush as we did last year. Grant, it's respectable. Don't get me wrong. We're going to be top five. My opinion is our corners are just going to have many, many opportunities to, to make plays. And I just look, I'm, I'm really high, obviously on our uh, transfers, you know, you know, co- coming in. They're experienced yeah. transfers. So I'll give you that. It's not like yeah. they're bringing in three redshirt freshman transfers. They're all juniors and seniors. Yep. I think our defense gets 30 interceptions this year. In- last year at 16. I think our, I'm, I'm high. think their offense is going to be good because the, to, <laughs> to get that many interceptions, you have to have people passing on you. And we well, play a lot of ball I can tell you right now, Washington State's got a passing offense. They got a yep. deep transfer coming in that's supposed to be the next big things, and he's going to sling away. So Ohio State's going to sling. You know, yeah. I, I, we're going to just have opportunities to, you know, make some plays. So I'm going to go. Right. Right. Probably true. All right. Okay. I like. I it. was not expecting that. that awesome. <laughs> that's why we do bold. That's why we do bold predictions. That's we don't ex- do. We don't. Bold. We don't do boring predictions. We don't do regular predictions. We don't do realistic predictions we do bold predictions because they're fun yeah okay so you want me to go or do you want to yep, go? go we'll do okay. the same order so mine i picked the badgers are going to be first in total defense again this year so if we have a top five rushing offense a top 20 passing offense and the number one overall defense and we add in those 30 interceptions say it people say are going to be people are going to be talking about us like we the goddamn georgia bulldogs baby <laughs> we national <laughs> champs <laughs> yeah it's, i knew that's where you were going with that once you said that yeah, i had to i had to all right so 
Mine is I went with another player specific one, and I went with Nick Herbig has 12 sacks on the season. That's just honestly, it could be it could be more potentially just because Nick Herbig is going to be the guy. But I'm just thinking one a game. If Nick Herbig get one sack a game, that's 12. Um, he's on the All Big Ten watch list. He's taking the reins over from Leo Chanel as that that lead pass rusher. So I'm I'm really excited for Nick Herbig this year. I can't wait to watch him get on the field on Saturday. Um, it's a six o'clock game, so it's kind of in prime time. But like normally they play at noon or ten o'clock or like Mikey said, the eleven o'clock gloomy games. But like we got to wait a little bit extra for the kickoff this year. But I'm really excited to watch all these guys. So I'm really excited for Saturday. Mm-hmm. I will say. I'm very disappointed. We were naming Badger linebackers, and we didn't bring up Jack Jack Sanborn, who the Bears fans oh, love. Oh, you know, I was I'm, joking with my coworkers today. He's a huge Bears fan. I'm like, you know, I really hope you go 0-16, but if Jack Sanborn makes a play on Aaron Rodgers, I'm not going to know what to do with my hands. I'm not going to clap. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I have- yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, see, see, that's the um, thing is – People people don't watch a lot of Badgers games, so they think they're boring. You know, that's the cliche yep. thing to think. But when you really watch Badgers linebackers, they all have those natural linebacker instincts. You know, the way that people talk about Devondre Campbell. I mean, he's always in the right place at the right time. He can drop back and coverage. I don't know if Sanborn has that ability yet, but you know that he knows how to read and react to a run yep. play, and you know he knows how to read and react to a pass play. So and those are the first miss keys. Any tackles ever. <laughs> exactly. They they know how to wrap up. They know how to tackle. So the Chiefs got to go in and Leo Chanel. The Bears yep. got to go in and Jack Sanborn. The Badgers produce NFL players, and people need to start realizing it. TJ, we are starting linebacker now for the Eagles, dude. Yep. Yep. Guy, we put up like, the graphic last week of Wisconsin versus Ohio State active players in the NFL, and it's like Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, there's Melvin Gordon and J.K. Dobbins, and um, James White just retired. But you got the Watt brothers Jonathan and the Bosa Taylor. brothers, and you got Jonathan Taylor and Michael Thomas, and then you get to look at all the linemen that the Badgers have put in the Ryan NFL. Ryan Ramchick is a beast. <laughs> Havenstein is good for the Saints, too. Like, or is Ramchick... Ramchick's on the Saints. Ramchick's on the Saints. Haven Science is on the Rams. Yeah, I got those he's two got, mixed up. He's got a um, ring. <laughs> I did. Um, so, like, there's tons of Badgers in the NFL yes. just because people don't realize it. Um, Cole Van Lannon is on the Jaguars. I mean, we just mentioned that, too. So, just there's, there's tons of Badgers in the league, and there's going to be nice. more. You know, man, I th- I'm feeling good. By the way, if nobody knows, this is going to be the first time ever that the Badgers play on my birthday. My birthday's on Saturday. I'm yeah, gonna you're going to be a 30 burger on old Saturday. Old old man. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward. You know, the Badgers starting on my birthday. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I've traditionally, you know, I've only had 29 of them so far, but I've had some pretty shitty birthdays. So this is, you know, being a dad, being around my family, watching the Badgers. I mean, what else can a guy ask for, you know? Man, that's gonna be a good it's gonna be a great day. Looking yeah, looking forward to it for sure. Happy freaking birthday. So Thank tell you. it to you in person, I guess if you want to call this in person on camera. Face to face. Face to face. We'll go with that. All right. And I'm gonna say one more quick bold prediction. Mentioned him earlier. Hunter Waller gets on first or second team all conference defense. Second team. Well, we're gonna get all those interceptions. Somebody has to get them. Yeah, right. Somebody's gonna pick the ball <laughs> I, off. Yeah. I, I am high on this kid. I 
He's so I he's got me sold. So I think all right, all Leon Hicks made the Broncos practice squad. So and had made the team too for the for the Broncos, I believe. Who did? Hankson, the DN. Oh really? Oh yeah, Hankson. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yes. What happened? I was to just Louder thinking milk? about him, but I didn't remember. Um, is Louder Milk still in the Steelers? Yes. Yes. Is he? Is. Yeah. is he really? Yep. Yep. Man. Think about all those badgers, man. They're all just floating They're around everywhere. there. In the <laughs> Dude, they're literally fucking everywhere. I'm telling you. Uh, Derek Watts signed somewhere too, I thought, as a fullback. Is he still on Pittsburgh? I don't think he, he might be on Pittsburgh. I know he was on the Chargers for a while, but he was I think he got he, he got traded to well, Pittsburgh. If we're gonna go fullbacks, I think Alec Ingold. <sighs> Alec Ingold from Green Bay, Wisconsin native. Yeah, he just got yep. traded to the Dolphins. I remember listening yep. about that on uh, WIXX. A while back, Michael was... Peters, Dolphins yet, I believe. Man, everywhere, dude. Badgers worldwide, place. baby. Badgers <laughs> worldwide. All right, you guys got <laughs> anything else? Quarterback. We're just a quarterback away. I think at the end of the day, from being a top program. I mean, yeah, we're we're just the, we're just, we're a program that develops. We're not gonna. That's not gonna go away. We're not gonna get the four or five star recruits. But if we can just develop that one quarterback that can, you know. Not be even, not even be like Russell. Well, be like. Oh, we were this freaking close to getting Caleb Wilson, and I was so close, or Caleb Williams, and I was so close to being right. I would have been like two months Dude. ahead of the game if it would have happened. Oh, that was, that was close too. By the way, I, 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 I don't know. People that I talked to said it, it was actually going to happen. It had stuff to do with it. I put it out there in like early January. I'm like, it makes too much sense. Okay, oh. let me ask you guys a question because I had this argument not too long ago. You brought up Russell Wilson, word association, squirrel, right? Okay, anyways, here we are. So I said that if Russell Wilson didn't come to Wisconsin, he would not have got drafted in the third round. Am I right or wrong? Are you saying like it drafted like in – so I think, I think he would have slipped farther in the draft because if you think about it. Down. And historically, yeah. right, smaller guys, he's under six foot, they don't get yeah. looked at very often. Yeah. Baker Mayfield it got drafted bugs first. Me that he lost to Andy Dalton in the freaking postseason. Yeah, whatever. We're not going to talk about that. But the point is, he had Heisman hope that year. We were winning that year. He put up like historical numbers that year. He was on national television a lot that mm-hmm. year. And I brought all these points up. And this Bears fan who just hates everything about Wisconsin is like, "You didn't make Russell Wilson. He played at NC State. Everybody knew who he was." I was like. No, Not everybody knew honest. who he was. I didn't know who Russell Wilson was. <laughs> no. I wouldn't consider myself a casual, but I'm not a diehard. I'm somewhere in that middle area. Oh, uh, you know, NC State, famous quarterback college. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> Guy's wrong. He was he was this close in playing baseball anyway. So, like, exactly. that's true. He got drafted by the Rockies like two yeah. years ago. Yeah. He had a draft. Yeah. He had a, you know, he was in the Rule 5 draft. So, it's. Oh, yeah. oh, one of those things. <laughs> Pat Connaughton got drafted in the Major League Baseball, too. That's right. That's right. Weird. He was a pitcher. Yeah. In another universe, Russell Wilson, Pat Connaughton, and Kyler Murray are playing baseball. <laughs> They're all hitting dingers. Hitting yeah. <laughs> <And> dingers. <laughs> he won the he 2008 won the Papa John's Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. there's so many fucking bowl games now. Jesus. I'm going to get my – pretty soon. You know, you know what? I just thought of something. Pretty soon we're gonna have the Wisco Fanatics bowl game, baby. We we did this last year and we made up our own bowl games. Do you remember yeah. what mine was? I don't remember. I said the OnlyFans bowl. Oh my god, I remember <laughs> that now. Oh. 
I remember that now. You're fucking wrong for that. Oh, my God. Hey, it's only getting more popular in the last 365 days. Don't tell me that shit couldn't happen. You're not wrong. You're not. I mean, listen, money talks. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) So, I mean, you're not wrong. What would the giveaways for the players be for that? You know, like the the bowl sponsors usually give the players like gift packages. Like, what would the OnlyFans bowl uh, a, gift a package include? A three month membership. A three month membership. Yes. <laughs> Do it, Tyler. I'm telling you right now, bro. Oh. Mike, you're here to witness this. <laughs> if there is an OnlyFans bowl, then we have two sponsors. We have to go get. We have to go get an OnlyFans sponsor and a Red Stripe sponsor. Hey, you, oh. Did you watch the draft special, Mikey? Yeah. What was that? Did you watch our draft special? Oh yeah, we yeah. I don't think stream during God. the draft. Jordan Davis from Georgia <laughs> walks up and he's got a black suit on with a big ass red stripe through it. He walks up. My first instinct is to go, oh, red stripe. All right, beer. They <laughs> fucking lost it. Dude, um, literally. I, I, okay, hold on. I made a graphic and I put red yep. stripe, hooray, beer on it. And I tagged red stripe in Twitter and they actually responded to my tweet. And they said, yes. if this gets 10,000 retweets, we'll make a Jordan Davis red stripe beer. <laughs> yeah. you get to? I don't know. Not ten thousand, but it was just hilarious that Red Stripe actually responded. It, it, they hit Jordan Davis up right after that too. They did, like, yeah, about a sponsorship, oh. and I'm like, Jesus, Tyler called that. That's amazing. <laughs> and we're all just freaking, you know, locker room talk. That's basically oh. what we were doing during the, the awesome. draft special. You deserve and also, some cut. Was that? Tyler, you deserve some sort of cut then, man. Yeah, I know, dude, right? that's what I said. I said, Tyler deserves some some of that money, man. <laughs> Making that shit happen. Yeah. That was a great time. Uh, oh, my God. All right. Well, we're looking forward to Saturday. Mike, I'm sure we'll have you on during the season and probably after the season and then when Badger basketball season rolls around. So thanks for joining yes, us sir. today. But um, we're ready for Badger football. So we got that coming up on Saturday. And um, this is our last Friday without a Packers show. So yep. I will see Jake. I will see you next Wednesday. And then it'll be Wednesday and Friday every week. Let's go, baby, because you know what that right. means. It's time for the yeah. bad man, boy. Let's go. <laughs> All right. It is it is officially football season. So let's go. All right. Enjoy it. Take care, guys. Right. See you guys. Later. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.